We are still in our theme as we consider Advent. Uh, we want to consider what this week of Advent really means. It is a week of love. As, as you heard the verses that were read, it was all centered about love. And it's the love of Christ. And we want to focus our thoughts on living with love. Because when we live with love, it is a wonderful life, isn't it? You know, we have our ups and downs. Uh, we have our mountains and valleys. But it's still a wonderful life when we're living with love. I've learned this, that the Christian life is not a life that's in and out. The Christian life is a life that's up and down. And we are all going to be up and we're all going to be down. The good thing about it, being a Christian when we're up is Jesus is with us to keep us humble. When we're down, Jesus is with us to keep us encouraged. So we, when we know him as our Lord and Savior, we are blessed because he's with us with whatever comes our way. Yes, we're living with love. You know, as you're turning your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look in the first couple of verses for our reading. Just hold on there. We'll be actually covering the first eight, eight or nine verses. So let's uh, just hold on there. But we're just going to read two verses one and two in Philippians 2. And as you're turning there, there's this little girl who asked her mom, Mommy, what makes everyone so happy at Christmas? Well, her mom replied, well, it's because it's the Lord Jesus' birthday. And because we love him and because we're happy that he would come to this world. <laughs> that satisfied the little girl for about a minute. Because a minute later, she asked her mom, then is the Lord happy with you? Amen. Her mom's reply was, oh, little girl, what a question you've asked. What a question indeed. So I must ask, have you ever asked yourself that question? Is the Lord happy with me? Is Jesus really happy with me? No, what I know is, is that he sees every truth within our hearts. He sees whether we have a genuine love for him or if we have an affection for him that's stirred by all the festivities that are taking place around this Christmas season. So we would have to ask ourselves, is Jesus happy with me? Well, if we've experienced the genuine or the genuine love of Christ, then we should express a genuine love of Christ. If we want him to be happy with us and we've experienced this love, then we should express this love. When we look here in the Bible in Philippians chapter 2, we begin to see that Paul wanted the believers in Corinth to express the love of Christ that they had experienced. The Bible tells us, therefore, 
If there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. This is God's word to us. Pray with us. God, we thank you for this day that you've given us. This blessed day where we are celebrating on the Lord's day. The coming day that we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. God, what a blessing it is to be here this day. To be able to say that I'm looking forward to celebrating Jesus' birth. That it's more than gift giving. It's more than time with family. But it's a day we honor you because you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son to us. Oh God, we thank you for what this day means. We thank you for what this time of year means. We thank you for what we've experienced through your love. And we pray God you would help us as we attempt to express it in this dark world that we're living in. So, God, we pray that you would be with us, that you would lead us in this message, that, God, you would speak to our hearts and help us. God, help us to look to you, and we'll give you praise for all that's accomplished. If there's one, God, who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, God, we pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to sit with them and sup with them through this message. Allow him to speak to them and share just how much you love them and the love that they can experience and that you will teach them to express. And God will praise you for what's accomplished. But we ask this, not in our name, but in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. When we think about the Philippian church, as Paul has written this letter to them, what we know is that it is a strong church. Actually, it's a very strong church. And what we know is that whenever there is a strong church, and there are many throughout the world, there are churches that are uh, always filled with vision. They're always planning uh, it's always looking to a strategy to carry out the gospel. Well, strong churches continue to launch ministries and programs. And this gives us the idea that a strong church is never still and it's never complacent. If we find ourselves still and complacent... <laughs> It's safe to assume that we're going backwards rather than going forward. It's all, a strong church is always moving forward. For a church that is never still and never complacent means one thing. It means there's members in the church whose hands and minds are never still and never complacent. Somebody should have said amen. Because this building doesn't have a mind. This building doesn't have hands. The hands and the mind of Reedy Branch Baptist Church are sitting in here today. 
And if we're going to be a church on the move, a strong church, then that tells us our minds and hands must continue to be working. And, you know, there are some things that we have to realize about this truth. One is that when there's, there are, there are dangers that lurk around whenever we are filled with strong minds and strong hands. And that danger is differences of opinion. <laughs> yeah, differences in vision, differences in desires and concerns and emphasis and interests. There are always uh, different ideas on what ministry needs the most focus and how we should go about supporting that ministry. <laughs> Oh, you've gotten quiet. Where's that little boy that was praising God when Brother Larry was reading? You know. <laughs> now, if we keep this in mind, what we know is that the stronger a church becomes, the more active a church becomes. And the more, and the more active a church becomes, the more minds and bodies are working in the church. And where more and more people are working, more and more differences are bound to arise. And because of this, the church must become more intentional in displaying the love of Christ. Paul knew... <laughs> Paul knew this, and he knew he had to put the Philippian church, the Philippian members, that fellowship of believers, he knew he had to put them on guard. The church had to protect itself against the enemy coming in and trying to destroy the work that was taking place within the church in Philippi. So Paul shares with them, as we see in the text, that, uh, to remember our experience with the love of Christ. We are to remember our experience with the love of Christ. And, and we see this very clearly here in the first four verses of this, of this chapter. The apostle Paul understood for the church in Philippi to continue to be a strong church. The members would need to be encouraged. The word consolation here, it, it, it carries the thought of to be encouraged. He needs, in other words, they needed to remember to be encouraged by their experience with the love of Christ. As a matter of fact, he goes on to share that any encouragement or consolation, any comfort, any fellowship that they may experience is birthed out of the love of Christ. The love of Christ is an agape love. It's a love that is selfless. It's a love that's sacrificial. It's the very love that Christ displayed when he gave himself and sacrificed himself for you and I. We did not deserve it. Uh, we were utterly unworthy of his love. Yet he loved us so much that he died for us in spite of us. Paul understood this. As a matter of fact, this love was very evident to Paul. And in, in experiencing the love of Christ, he experienced how the love of Christ started the work in Philippi. In Acts 16, what we'll find is that, that the Lord had such a love for the people of Philippi that when they were not on Paul's radar, when Paul had no desire to go to Macedonia, he was wanting to go to Asia to share the gospel. God would not allow him to go. He kept having visions. 
decisions that said you cannot go in that direction. So through the power of the Holy Spirit in a vision, Paul saw that he needed to go toward Macedonia. And when he got toward Macedonia, he went to a city that was called Philippi. When he got to that city, he met a woman, a woman by the name of Lydia. When he met this woman, she was a worshiper of God. And being a worshiper of God, there were some things that she really needed to understand about Jesus Christ. And Paul began to teach. And when Paul began to teach, she heeded to his teachings. And not only her, but her whole house was saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul saw that Jesus had started to work even before he went there because these people were worshiping God. And Paul needed to go and share the love of Christ with them. It's only by the love of Christ that he was directed to a people like this. But we find Paul didn't just experience the start of uh, uh, seeing the start of Jesus's love or the love of Christ that started in Philippi. Paul also experienced how Jesus sustains the love of Christ in Philippi because it wasn't very long after that that, that Paul, Timothy, and Silas that they stumbled up upon this young girl, this young girl who was filled with a, a spirit of divination. In other words, what she she was um, she had this this spirit or this demon of premonition. Some would say she had the power to see into the future. And because of this, Paul Paul noticed this girl. But when this girl noticed Paul, when she noticed Silas and Timothy together, what she couldn't help but understand was these were men, they were servants of the Most High. And being servants of the Most High, she just had to follow them around. And she kept following them around. For days, she would follow them around and she would say all sorts of things and finally Paul got tired of it. Paul had, had heard enough so he turns to the girl and when he turned to her he spoke to the spirit that was leading the girl. When he spoke to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ he commanded the spirit to leave this girl. When he did this the spirit had to flee. This girl was set at ease. She was set free from this bondage that she was under. The problem with that was that she was a, a servant to some men who were using her for profit and they weren't happy about this. They were able to grab up Paul and Silas. I don't know what happened to Timothy at this moment but I know that they grabbed up Paul and Silas, beat them, threw them in prison and you would think right there that the gospel might have ended because what they've done there they were doing their best to try to cause fear to, to come upon the people in Philippi. The word do you don't want to share anything about Jesus. You don't want to display the power of Jesus. You don't want to share the love of Jesus or you may be beaten or cast into a prison. But you know Paul, God didn't just start a work there. He sustained the work there because even though they had been beaten, even though they were bound by chains, they began to sing and they began to pray and when they began to sing and pray the earth shook and it shook the chains loose the doors opened up it was in such a, a way that where when the prisoner or the prison guard when he came in and saw the doors open saw the changes chains loose he started to take his own life he feared they would kill him because he let these these prisoners go but Paul yells at him do yourself no harm we're still here we haven't 
went anywhere. And this prisoner understood that that had to be by the love of Christ. Only the love of Christ would have kept him in there. And he began to talk with Paul. And Paul began to share about Jesus and his love. And he took Paul and Silas home, cleaned them up, and his whole house was saved. When it could have ended, God sustained it because he had started the work. Listen, what God starts in us, no devils in hell can stop it because he will sustain it. Paul understood this. He had experienced the love of Christ at work and he saw the love of Christ sustained there in Philippi. Now Paul's reminding them, be encouraged, be comforted and remain in fellowship with the same love of Christ. And as they continue to grow as a body of believers, as a church family, you know, we have to ask the question, have you really experienced the love of Christ? I'm not talking about having an emotional experience. I'm not talking about having a head knowledge of who Christ is. I'm talking about a genuine, spiritual, life-transforming experience with the love of Christ. This is an experience like no other experience in the world. This is an experience of love that will encourage or console us whenever we're filled with doubt, whenever we're experiencing disappointment and discouragement. It's an experience of love that will comfort us in the midst of the disruptions that life throws at us. It's an experience of love that will strengthen us whenever we're facing temptation that this life throws our way. It's because of the love of Christ that he started a work in you. He started a work in me to not let us continue to be who we were, but to change us into who we were meant to be. It's a love of Christ that that he will sustain in us to keep us from being or from having a selfish ambition. It'll keep us from being arrogant or even divisive. Philippians 1 and 6 says that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know what you're experiencing right now. I don't know what what has come your way, what kind of disruption to your life, what kind of disappointment, what kind of what kind of uh, discrimination. Why? Why do I, I? I can't say everything that you're all experiencing, but I know this: if the love of Christ has began to work in you, <laughs> He will complete that work. The Apostle Paul is writing to show this growing church in Philippi that the experience that they've had with the love of Christ is so great that they can be encouraged. They can be comforted. They can be, be, remain in fellowship with each other. But they can't forget the experience that they've had with Christ. And I pray that you haven't forgotten the experience that you had with him. <laughs> i never forget the day that he saved me. i never forget as an 11-year-old boy... My dad looking at me and saying, do you want to be saved? When I said, Jez, he walked me to the pastor. And the pastor led me into a prayer of repentance. 
I'll never forget that day. But what I won't forget is the day he came and sat down beside me in 2000. In January of 2000 and said, look, son, I've never left you. You walked away from me. I love you now as much as I've ever loved you. And if you'll just serve me, I'll do things in your life that you can never imagine. And I'll never forget that day when I humbled myself and committed my life to serving him. And a year later, I don't know why, but a year later, he called me out from amongst those that I was with to, to proclaim his gospel. And three years later, he called me to this church to pastor this church. And, and still 17 years later, we're here learning along with each other and serving each other. I had no idea that this would happen, but God started to work and he has sustained the work throughout my life. The Apostle Paul wants us to know that the love of Christ is a powerful love. And we should remember the experience we had with it. But the Apostle Paul also reminds us that we are to remember to express the love of Christ. It's not enough that we experience it, but we express it. You know, to be saved, the Bible says you must believe and confess. <laughs> you believe unto salvation. <laughs> confession is made. Or you believe with the heart and confession is made unto salvation. What it's telling us here is that we're, it's not enough to experience the love of Christ, but we need to express the love of Christ. Now, in order for us to express the love of Christ, we must have the same mind as Christ. No matter our family name, no matter our educational background, no matter our status in society, we never forget that we are servants to one another. Paul tells us here in this passage, in verses 5 through 8, he tells us, about Jesus' family and educational background. He tells us about the status of Jesus from where he come from. Just by telling us that he was in the form of God. <laughs> he tells us all about his background. That he, that he was always here. There was never a time when he didn't exist. It tells us that he's all-knowing. It tells us that he's everywhere present. It tells us that there's nothing in this world that we can get by him. It tells us that there's no one above him because it's accurate to say that he was equal to God. And still he took on the form of a bondservant and come into this world in the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient to another into whom he was equal to. Get that. Jesus submitted himself to one who was not above him, but one in whom he was just like. He submitted himself to him. And he submitted himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And you know, we can see this love demonstrated at its greatest. <laughs> It's expressed best that I can explain in a scene that takes place in a little town called Bethlehem. 
as the birth of the son of the almighty God is about to take place. <laughs> I'm not talking about the God of the Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I'm not talking about the God of the Muslims. I'm talking about the almighty God. The God who spoke and the bing, big bang happened. <laughs> Listen, you science geeks or science majors or, or whatever, those of you who love science and they're trying to tell you that the earth was created from a big bang, there, it was. It was the voice of God. God spoke. And that was a bang enough to where the day separated from night, where the water separated from land, where vegetation all of a sudden sprouted out, where animals were created. And then that same God reached down into the ground, carved man out of his own image from the dust of the ground, and then breathed into that dust, and we became a living soul. That God, the same God that when man had sinned, he took his own creation's life and covered up the sin of man. That same God, when they thought that they had enough knowledge and understanding to get to God God confounded their language and they couldn't understand one another the same God that when men lived as they pleased and done as they wanted he destroyed the whole earth and set one family with water and then gave a rainbow at the end of it to say it'll never happen again the same God who called a man out from his kindred from his homeland and said I'll create in you a new people and I'll bless you and I'll bless those who bless you and your seed shall be as the sand on the seashore that same God who through the portals of time looked and saw your need and saw my need and seen his only begotten son birth of a virgin that same God the almighty God the only one worthy of our worship and praise that same God when I think about that scene in Bethlehem how almighty God was sending his son through a virgin girl. They get to Bethlehem and there's no room for God's son, his only begotten son. As a matter of fact, the innkeeper said, the best I have for you is a stable right outside. They didn't have a royal robe to wrap him up in. Instead, they put strips of cloth around him. They didn't have a nice bed to lay him in. Instead, they put him in a feeding trough. Yeah, and still the, the shepherds of the land came and worshipped him. Yes, when we look at that dirty stable, we look at that scene on that Christmas night where the sun of God was born <laughs> we can see the beautiful display of God's love for us expressed to us the only begotten son of God the anointed one the Christ the lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world submitted himself to this lowly appearance and he gave all glory and majesty he gave it all up to, to come to this sin-cursed world to save you and me. Oh, what an expression of the love of Christ. So I have to ask us, have we been, now that we've experienced, those of us who have truly, genuinely experienced the love of Christ, 
Are we expressing the love of Christ? As individuals, how would others describe us? Sadly, too many professing Christians are described as mean-spirited and uncaring, selfish and arrogant. Others often will say that if that's what being a Christian is about, I just don't want anything to do with it. And you know, the very best response that those professing Christians will have will be, well, that's just who I am. Hmm. That's just not good enough. We're to be a reflection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what's sadder is that these same described individuals are often part of a fellowship of believers. They're part of a church. And it would be safe to assume that these churches are filled with individuals who are filled with what we see described in Proverbs 6. Where in Proverbs 6, the Bible tells us that God hates some things. Things like a proud look. Things like lying tongues. Hearts that plan wickedness. Feet that run to evil. False witnesses. And sowing discord. Churches filled with, with this, it does not in any way, shape, or form express the love of Christ. However, when we as individuals are described by others as being filled with hope, filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with love, <laughs> then we are expressing the love of Christ. When we express the love of Christ, the world sees his love in us. We will indeed be a reflection of Jesus Christ and they will see a love that is selfless and sacrificial. They will see that we esteem others higher than ourselves. They will see that we are followers of Christ and say they're living the life that I desire to live. And more than that, they will see the fellowship of believers, the church that we are actively involved with. <laughs> I hope you caught on to that word, actively. <laughs> they, they will see that it is a place where the love of Christ is expressed. And when people talk about Reedy Branch, that's what I want them to see. That we are a church who expresses the love of Christ. Folks, to express the love of Christ. It is so rewarding. You know, the thing is, we can't boast about it. Because the only way we can express it is through his leadership. He has to guide us. He has to teach us. He has to help us. He has to shine forth through us. So we can't even be arrogant about it. So it's not that hard. It's just being willing to submit to the one who wants to express himself through us. If we have a problem with submission, then we'll have a problem with expressing the love of Christ. 
But if we can recognize all that he's done for us. When I was on my way to a demon's hell, he called my name. (laughs) I didn't want nothing to do with him. Can I say that correctly? I didn't want anything to do with him. But he called me anyway. I didn't know how to serve him. But he's teaching me anyway. I've fallen since he has called me. I've, I, I, I've betrayed his trust. I've, I, I've wanted to turn my back on him. But he loves me anyway. All he wants is to be expressed through us. He's not expecting us to be some super Christian. He's expecting us to be a willing vessel. And he will do all the work. That's what he come here for. The son of God left the splendor of heaven and came to this sin-cursed world. Born of a virgin. And he lived the sinless life. So he could reconcile us to God. And none of us can stand before God without him revealing himself through us before God. Yes, if we've experienced this true love, he's calling us to express this true love, the love of Christ. As every head bowed, every eyes closed, as they're preparing for this invitation, there may be someone here today who would like to experience the love of Christ. That you will say that I've never experienced this love that you're talking about, preacher. Maybe you're tired. I don't know. Maybe you're tired of everything that you're experiencing because everything seems to be anything but a true hope, a true peace, a true joy, and a true love. Well, if you fall into this category, you can experience the love of Christ today. If you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he lived the sinless life and died for the sin of the world, if you would believe that he rose on the third day and is coming back to receive those who believe in him, and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can experience the love of Christ. A couple weeks ago, a young girl stepped out in faith, and at that moment... She received Jesus Christ as her Savior. She walked down this aisle, and while she was walking, she was confessing to you that Jesus was her Lord and Savior. She was saved before she got to me. And all we did was pray together. All you have to do is by faith step out and say, I believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died for me, and He arose to give me victory. I repent of my sins and I confess him as Lord and Savior. That's all you have to do. Matter of fact, Jesus tells us in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He did all the work. All we've got to do is believe and receive. 
And immediately as you do that, you don't have to worry about whether or not I can live it because immediately, as soon as you experience the love of Christ, the Holy Spirit will be made alive within you and he will teach you how to express the love of Christ. So my question is now as they begin to sing and as the church is praying, would you... Would you also pray, God, forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus is Savior of the world. And I confess my sins to you. And I receive him as my Savior. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for saving me. Now, God, help me to live for you. And I'll give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray this prayer while the church is praying, while they're singing, come and tell me. Just come and tell me that today you've made Jesus your Savior. And we'll celebrate with you.